please look at this little trio of troopers. Oh my goodness. Like this is, Zai, you can get my phone and get a picture of this, please. Because more, more people need to see this. Oh my goodness. Just yeah, just get them three right now, just the babies. Hey guys. Hey, look at Uncle T. Well I'm glad you're back. I am. What I want to talk to you about tonight has to do with eyes. Phineas, do you have eyes? I can see you do. I thought I heard middle name. I heard middle, I thought he said my middle name is eyes. Well, let me tell you guys about one verse in the Bible where David, who was just a little boy like all of you, except except you, but he was a little kid. And then he took care of sheep, so he was called a shepherd. Yeah. And then... He became a warrior, and he fought giants. And then he became king over millions of people. That little kid, that little shepherd boy, he went from stinky sheep to stinky people. But they were beautiful sheep and beautiful people too. Well, one time David said this. He said, God Hide me under the shadow of your wing. And then he said, keep me as the apple of your eye. What was he talking about? The apple of his eye. What did he mean that David was the apple of God's eye? What do you think? You guys have any ideas? Do you remember the word? And then you can add in. Oh, that's exactly right, Leon. You said, well, the etymology in Hebrew has to do with. And I'm going to let um, Trenton. Well, the thing is, if you have something extra, he's going to um, fill in anything I miss here. The Hebrew word actually means the dark center little man inside my eye. So David was saying, keep me as the little man, the little human, the little person in the center of your eye. Because David saw himself, he saw himself, who he really was, in God's eye. He said, Yahweh, that's me in your eyeball. And Yahweh said, that's right, son. Because I'm looking at you. Yahweh, I, I had no idea that you saw me as a king. I thought I was just the younger brother who was kind of ignored. 
and I got to care for some sheep. And Yahweh said, no, I chose you to be king. And David said, I can't believe I'm an apple in your eye who's a king. Here's what I want to tell you. Everything written in the Bible is not just for King David. It's not just for the Apostle Paul or John. It's not just for preachers or teachers. It's for you. You, Samuel. You, Phineas. You, Zion. You, Zadok. You, Leif Jacob. You, Leon. You are the apple of Yahweh's eye. So God is looking at Phineas, and he's saying, in my eye, Phineas, you are, I don't know what he has in store for you. Who knows what Phineas is going to be? A doctor? A professional soccer player? A prophetic singer who cuts off the heads of demons with his songs? That's my prediction. Who knows what you're going to do? But I'll tell you this, even more important than what you do is who you are on the inside. God looks at you and he says, in all of your mess, in all of your cuteness, I love you and I choose you. I want you. You're the apple of my eye. You're the little person inside my eye. That's right, Leon, you Trenton, did you have any more about the? It's so good. That's right. You don't, you don't, you're not able to see yourself in somebody's pupil unless you're scary close. And God is scary close to us, and he wants us to be scary close to him. Dude, that is such good eye contact. He's like totally chill, like laying back, just like. Remind me of like John when he was just relaxing with Jesus, just staring at him. Well, guys, we're going to break it down on apple of your eye. Okay? Apple of your eye. Because we are the apple of God's eye. So let's break it down on apple of your eye. Let me pray first and then we'll do it. Father, I thank you that we are the apple of your eye. I thank you that each one of these precious children are in the center of your vision. And Lord, I ask that you would show them themselves as the apple of your eye. Amen. All right. Apple of your eye on three. (laughs) Great participation, dude. One, two, three. Apple of your eye. All right. Thanks, kids. And thank you for the, the toters of babies. Um, I'm going to have Karis come to announcements in a second. I wanted to remind you guys that um, Uncle Tim and I are, are embarking on a special journey tomorrow. We're going to leave uh, about 5.45 a.m., and we're going to visit Dr. Daryl Reinhart. Um We are very grateful for this opportunity. We know that God works in all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's Daryl Reinhart, our brother in Christ. And um, we just want to go and be an encouragement to him. And 
I just, I, I'm praying, and you guys can pray with us, that we carry something special. Um, and I know Uncle Tim has a unique gift and grace to carry as well as I do, but we want to carry something um, in the spirit from you guys. You know, that's not the kind of setting. They don't allow you to bring in, like, all kinds of gifts, okay? <laughs> but we can bring in the best gift, gift of God's presence, something in the spirit to impart. And Paul, in the, in the scriptures, he said, I long to come to you that I might impart some kind of spiritual blessing, and then I would receive one from you. God's doing stuff there um, in that facility. He's doing stuff. He's moving. Uh, I can't wait to hear more about it from Daryl, but he's moving. I want to go and receive from them. I want to receive from what God is doing there, and I want to give from what God is doing here. So we're doing that tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to that. Another thing I'm looking forward to, in June, um, the lesser-known brother of Michael and me, Benjamin James Spann, known by some as Big Ben. Um, he's my little big brother. He's going to come, and he's actually going to uh, share and do some teaching. Um, he'll do probably at least three sessions. Um, initially, I'd asked him to share about a specific topic, and he may share about that, but I was like, man, just just share whatever God is putting into you. Um, and I'm really looking forward. I feel like God has something for us from my brother, Benj. And I feel like God has something for him from us. So I, I know you all will embrace him, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, also, um, want to remind you guys that in seven days, Michael will officially be a husband. It's going down. In California, um, just unbelievable that we're at this point. But uh, I want to remind you guys that Michael's life is a specific prophetic picture um, of what God is doing in the earth. Um, we all are. Um, but there's sometimes when there's like a more potent, like, watch this life because it speaks of something. Isaiah was like that, and his children were like that. Their names spoke of what God was doing. And I believe Michael's marriage is speaking about something God is doing in the body of Christ with his people, specifically with what he's doing with his people here in our nation. He's visiting his people who have needed him. Um, so uh, I just keep your eyes and your ears open for what the Spirit of the Lord may be saying to you. And when we get back from California, I'm going to be starting my home church with three 15-year-olds, Trey, Judah, and Cooper. And I'm really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, man, these guys are awesome. Um, okay, I think that's all I have to announce. <laughs> no men allowed. We are rejoicing um, as well with the upcoming wedding for Connor and Megan. 
two months and two days, I think. Is that right? Is it the 22nd, right? Two months and two days. The steel wedding is happening. Um, I love we've got these, like, epic weddings um, that are happening, and we've got these beautiful boys. Like, when I was just seeing the three of them, I'm like, man, it just... It's so good and so God to see these little boys. Um, it's just amazing. Um, I still believe I'm going to have a son, um, like, from my body, from, from Karis and me. But, um, but these guys are awesome. Okay, what I would like to do, um, if Trenton or Rachel... If either one of you or both of you, I know, you know, with kids, it might not be as simple. I just, we, we are so grateful to have you guys and we're so with you. I just wondered if there was anything you wanted to share about your time in Israel. I asked Trenton a little bit, um, but I just, that was on my heart to see if you had anything, uh, you wanted to share with the people, um, as a way of us just receiving you guys and the value you bring to us, but also receiving um, the land of Israel. Is there anything you guys? So one thing that really surprised me was how I had all this um, affection and love for Jews. Um, that caught me by surprise. And even our, f- uh, our first flight I was sitting beside a Jew, and it's just interesting how that came up. Um, like, you know, she could tell me that she's Jewish once I tell her that I'm going to Israel, but uh, it's just really neat. And, and she didn't actually ad- admit it right away. It took some questions. She loves Israel. Like, okay, interesting. And then uh, at our, when we were in London, then we just happened to be sitting beside, well, happened to be, I wanted to sit beside a group of Orthodox Jews who I just, I just thought that was so cool that we're going to Israel and here's a group of Jews. And all there was, because the next flight was to Tel Aviv, there's quite a number of Jews on our flight. But I just thought it was so interesting how I just had all this affection for them. And I just thought they're the coolest people. And I just wanted to like talk to them, but was too shy and was just observing them. And then the uh, contrast between our experience in London and our exp- the airport there and the airport in, in Israel was just night and day different. And I just, <coughs> the security, all the airport staff, everyone is just so calm and kind and gentle. And it was just, whereas our time in London, not every time I've been to the London airport, but that, per- that particular time is just crazy, hectic, stressful anxious, people are yelling, shouting, nothing's working, it's just like, ah, and then we land in Tel Aviv, and it's just like, huh, it's just peaceful, and calm, and gentle, and kind, it was, it was just really special, and, and the, the whole time, I just found myself loving the people, and I just did not see that coming, I didn't expect that, a lot of times, and, and I'm, not, I'm not at all meaning to bash this, but just, I just noticed this contrast for myself, a lot of times when people go to Israel, they'll talk about the sites they saw and all the amazing things and how the Bible came so much more alive for them, and that's awesome and wonderful, and I, that's amazing. But for me, it was interesting. Is I just liked the people. 
we, we didn't uh, do very many touristy things. We saw a couple specific, uh, significant kind of sites, but mostly we just hung out in our neighborhood and walked around and tried a couple different restaurants and tried a couple different pastries, got juice a few times. I, I was blessed to play chess with two different people. That was really cool. I won and lost. And, uh, and it was just one of the, something that, to me, looking back, this is totally a God thing, is we bought that stroller for $85, the, I think the day before we left, and that like made the trip. Because then we could have two boys resting, and Rachel or I, or me, could hold the other. And we were able to be out in Jerusalem, walking around for like six hours at a time. Whereas, and then, and be comfortable. And then uh, there was one time I went out just for a 20 minute thing with Sam and Phineas. And uh, so I'd just be nice and quick, don't need to take the stroller. Because it's so awkward pushing it everywhere and all the bombs and this and that. I don't have to have the stroller. I, I ended up um, carrying both of them for the last 100 yards <laughs> and was just exhausted. And it was just like, okay, not, we're not going anywhere without the stroller. And it just made me realize, wow, this is making such a big difference because without it, we would probably have spent 80% of our time in the apartment and just like Rachel and I might have taken turns going out. But with the stroller, we were able to like actually enjoy so much more of the city and be out with people and so it was just really special. And we had a, a handful of neat connections with believers there. That was really nice to meet Messianic Jews and pray with them and um, talk a little bit. And Rachel had a nice, mind if I share, nice connection with, uh, Rachel decided, she, she thought it'd be nice to get a, a manicure pedicure while we were there. She just thought that'd be special. And it just so happens we went to a Bible study where one of the people there in particular befriended us more than the others, and Rachel was able to have a, it was another Rachel. And Rachel was able to talk with Rachel for like an hour or so. And it just so happened that this other Rachel's mom owned a manicure pedicure shop. And it just so happened that we could see it from our apartment. And so it was just like, perfect. There it is, lined up. And then, so instead of, which would still have been special for Rachel to have that time connecting with a local, getting treated and, and enjoying that connection, but it was extra special because there is now a, a, a relationship already, and then um, there's a believer, and there's not that many believers in Israel. So that was just also, that was just kind of a neat God thing. Are there any questions? We were able to walk to the Western Wall in the old city. And um, we went to the Mount of Olives. We were able to see Jerusalem from up there. We, were, we took a bus to the base, and then we started walking up. And it was kind of like, this is actually kind of a long walk. And I was just in, like, go mode. We're doing this. And then this guy comes by in a big golf cart. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I'll take you up for 50 shekels. <laughs> it's like, like, that's way too much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, and, and back down for another 50, so 100 shekels to actually, because we would have given up, <laughs> almost certainly. And we actually had, we didn't want to be late for Rachel's manicure, so we, that was actually a godsend. 
And it was also a God thing that I got over um, all the uh, emotional angst I feel when I know I'm getting ripped off. Because that just happens, you're a tourist, you're in a foreign land, you really need something, and there's only one option, and you know you're being told three or four times the price. And for myself, that could just totally set me off, just wreck my day. And so it was a God thing that that happened immediately, <laughs> and then I could pray and process about it, and then be free the rest of the trip. So that was also really special. <laughs> um, did, did you hear that? So the question was, did we have a conversation with any Messianic Jews about what their experience is like living in Israel? Not that, like, specifically. So there, there's a prayer room we heard about that we didn't visit. It's like a 24-7 prayer room. But there is something also called the prayer tower, and that's connected with a church called King of Kings. So I, the way I understand it, and I'm probably wrong, is that King of Kings funds it. They're a larger congregation, and they probably, because they're English-speaking, I think they also have a lot more Western connections. And so they, they fund it, but it's actually like two or three floors at the top of uh, one of the tallest buildings, which isn't saying anything. But it's one of the tallest buildings. I was amazed at how few tall buildings there are in Jerusalem. But anyways, so one of the tallest buildings. And um, there's yeah, three, just with dozens of different ministries have their offices there. Christian, Messianic Jews ministries. There's like 20 different organizations that are all sharing space there, which is really cool. And one of the rooms there is a prayer room that is just kind of set up for prayer and it's it's really neat and, and special and it was special that we our last night there we we were invited to a prayer meeting that we thought was at this place so we went to this place and participated in a different prayer meeting and found that the prayer meeting we were invited to was in a completely different building completely different neighborhood but it was special to kind of be there it was the I'm not sure if everyone's heard, but there's currently a 21-day fast going on right now, praying for Israel. It's largely been um, well organized by IHOP, but it's been there's participants all over the world, and so the Messianic congregations in Israel are all participating, and so we were able to be in the first prayer meeting on the first night of the fast in Jerusalem. So that was really cool. Another another hi highlight is. So in the IHOP prayer room, they've been praying for Jerusalem because of the fast. And so the fast started our last day there. But they've been praying specifically for Jerusalem even for weeks before the fast started, praying for the fast. And even the fast is praying for another larger group of intercessors to catch God's vision for Israel. So there's like 5 or 10 million people fasting and praying for 21 days for a intercessory group of a hundred million that's not officially connected and, and the five or ten million are praying for the one hundred million who decided for whatever reason to pray for Jerusalem they picked a city they're probably not all from the same stream or theology as us or IHOP or any of that so they're not necessarily praying for Israel with <coughs> any eschatological bent that way but they're praying for Jerusalem and so this five or ten million group is praying for that group to catch God's vision for Israel. So it's kind of like a, an ambush, a spiritual ambush. Um, 
So it, it was cool sitting in our apartment at night, having the IHOP prayer room on, which, it, which was during the night watch because of the time difference. And they're praying for Jerusalem. And I'm sitting on our couch. I have Isaiah 62 open, which is about praying for Jerusalem. And I'm in Jerusalem. That was just kind of neat, being in Jerusalem, reading about Jerusalem, hearing people on the screen praying for Jerusalem. It was just like, wow, I'm, I'm here in this city. And uh, uh, one other thing, this is kind of, kind of a confession, is I told people, and I thought it was a good reason, that one of the things we wanted to do in Israel, in Jerusalem, was to visit Jerusalem so we could have a comparison before and after Jesus comes back. And I thought that was a good reason. I thought that made sense. It's kind of fun to say. But while we, but I understand Zechariah 14, many other passages, talk about terrible destruction coming to Jerusalem. And like a third of the city dying. A third being like taken into captivity. And so I'm sitting in my apartment thinking about that. And there's, you know, the streets are full of all these people that, and I just wanted to compare the damage, like before and after. It's like, oh man, I'm so shallow. Like, oh my goodness. And his Jesus' heart burns for that city. He loves those people. He's coming back for them. He's going to rescue them. And uh, so it's good for me to realize how trivial I am. And I, I can sometimes think, oh, I'm so smart, and I I know all these verses about Jerusalem and all this and. And yet, like, also, it's good to know that I, like, don't have a hot clue how passionate he is, how zealous he is. That's what he says in Zechariah 1. I am zealous for Jerusalem. Well, since we're people, you know, we eat all day and stuff. And so it was just nice eating food there. And uh, that was Finney, some of Phineas's favorite things were uh, juice. Like you could just go to the market and get like blended up all this fruit, just freshly blended up right there. And uh, so Phineas loved that. And uh, Phineas liked some ice cream. And uh, so his he had some some special food that he liked. So that was one of his favorite things. Um, for me, it was. Like, we literally did not reserve our Airbnb until, like, the day before we left or, like, two days before we went. And uh, and it was kind of scary because I had been, like, looking at Airbnb for a little while and it was like, oh, there's, like, ten apartments, you know, that might be good. But then the actual day, which was, like, the day before we left, it was, like, I was, like, or it was two days before we left. I was like sending messages to all these Airbnbs and they were getting back with like, oh, we're not available or like we're not uh, current, we're not an Airbnb anymore or like all this stuff. <laughs> so like we found one and it was like, thank you, Jesus, that we found something. <laughs> but um, so that was kind of scary at the last minute. But it was, yeah, so I only got, we only like, it just felt like we didn't know if we were actually going to get there until we got there. Um, and, uh, 
it was almost like surprising to actually get there. Like it just felt like a miracle to actually get there. Like for multiple reasons, like financially and family wise and stuff. And uh, our family is kind of a mess right now, <laughs> like in multiple ways. And uh, just like getting there and, uh, you know, like, I mean, on one of the flights, one of my children's favorite thing to do was just slam the food tray over and over and over again at the person in front of them. And it was like, please stop, please stop. Like, but it's just like, I don't know. Anyway, the trip was full of stuff like that. It's just like, yeah, just anyway, it's just crazy. But, um, but kind of like Trenton was saying, the best thing about it was just the people we interacted with and the people we met and, uh, just the fact, like, I was surprisingly comfortable to be a mess in front of the people there. Like, you you know, we go to a restaurant, and it's, you know, there's drinks spilling, there's things breaking, there's messes, there's stomping around, and there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. And um, But I was just surprisingly, like, comfortable to, like, just be ourselves. And even I told Trenton, like, you know, I lived in Russia for a while, and in Russia, it's like, if you're speaking English, you're, like, whispering, like, you don't want anybody to know you're speaking English, and you don't want anybody to know you're, like, American with a backpack, because then you'll get, like, pickpocketed or whatever, um, so you don't have a backpack or whatever, but in uh, in Jerusalem, I just felt free to speak English, and you're yelling at, you're yelling because you can't hear each other, and so just, I just felt free to, like, speak English and... I don't know, just just be ourselves. Um, and uh, kind of the whole time we were there, so there was this fast going on, and, and somebody who was uh, like kind of sharing about um, about this fast for Israel was saying, you know, like there's millions of people around the world joining in this fast for Israel, and you can kind of have this idea like, wow, this is such an exciting thing to be a part of. Um, but for me, I never have had an excited feeling about it because I've just been kind of carrying this kind of weight of sorrow related to my son. I've just like what we've been going through has been really hard and I've been kind of carrying a heaviness constantly, like not constantly, but kind of for a while. And uh, so for me, I like God really used that to speak to me about his heart for Israel because Israel is his firstborn son. Um, and I've just been carrying my firstborn son in a very unique way for a while. Um, and pretty much every day I have moments where I cry related to my firstborn son. Um, and there's hope and there's, it's, there's so much, you know, involved, but, um, but God really spoke to me through that, um, and uh, just like God wants Israel to say, I love you. God wants Israel to turn to him. And I want my son to say, I love you. Um, and I mean, it's, it's really a really, really deep thing. Um, but kind of whenever I've sort of been still in the presence of God, that's kind of what comes over me I guess like when we went to this house church and just during the worship it was kind of funny because it's like 
the house church is like in this small building. We didn't quite realize that the it was like in this ministry base, and they live stream it. And so we are trying to keep our family out of a live stream. <laughs> For like, you know, just like, so that people watching the live stream can hear the live stream. <laughs> but, um, and so it was, it was like really perfect because they had like this uh, second floor that kind of like, kind of like Travis and Karis's house where you could like look down on the main area. So we were like, oh, we'll just like camp out up here. There's toys, there's books. We have, can have snacks, and we can just spend the whole time up here, completely out of view of the live stream. <laughs> and uh, and then one of the guys came up, and he was like, "So we have a little problem. The camera for the live stream is under is attached. So like, if you walk, then it bumps. <laughs> so we had to leave there, and then we were like, kind of trying to sit behind the camera. And anyway, so I was behind the camera." And during the worship, I just felt God's presence, and then I just started crying, um, just kind of quietly crying because, uh, yeah, just of of all that I've been carrying. And and then a couple ladies just came and just ministered to me, like prayed for me. And one of them was a lady from Hong Kong, and she was like giving me a shoulder massage that was like actually really good. (laughs) Um, And then after the worship time, we left and listen to the live stream teaching later because <laughs> we cannot we cannot be quiet enough to be in the room of a really like because it like goes to hundreds of people around the world and it's like a big thing um but yeah anyway so god kind of spoke to me through that like like basically any any connection to his heart for israel or praying for his people for me, it was all like a connection he was speaking to me through um, Israel being his firstborn son. Um, and so that was special, but it wasn't like it felt good because it felt it felt heavy kind of. Um, and it's just, it's definitely a special place and a special people because the people there are surrounded by nations that hate them. And there are people who have like, the population of Israel isn't that much bigger than the number of Jewish people who died in the Holocaust. It's a pretty similar number. Um, and just, yeah, but just kind of like a, a special a special place with like, I don't know, just a really special people, even though there's so much, there's so much brokenness and uh, um, so much, like Tel Aviv is like, the homosexual capital of the Middle East and the abortion rates are crazy and there's all this stuff. Um, but it, it's kind of like people are, people, I don't know, it's like this mixture of like hunger for God and running away from God as fast as you can, all mixed together. Um, but the the believers we met there were really special and the, the lady who did my nails, she... Um, she said when she opened her her business, God spoke to her like, just serve and love the people around you and don't witness to them. I'm going to save them. So she was really excited about this fast because it was kind of like, this is God's time. This is God's time where I think he's going to start like saving people. Um, and yeah, and then it was also... 
it was hard to leave because it was hard to like come back to life here. And I think that I'd been putting a lot of hope in like a breakthrough for our family and even like a breakthrough for Sam and stuff. Um, and we just didn't really see that or anything. And so just kind of coming back and like just not knowing like what are what's our life going to look like now and what decisions do we need to make. And it was just nice being in a different setting and being able to just get out and wander sunny streets all day and stop for juice and stuff. So it's been hard coming back. And we also all got sick. We're like Phineas on his birthday was sick. He turned four in Israel. And then we've all been, one or all of us has been sick since then, except for now we're all recovering and stuff. But it was a week. And like, <laughs> so, you know, Trenton saying, hey, I got to play chess with an Israeli. Well, what he didn't say is that the place where he got to play chess was this back alley coffee shop, which had really good coffee, which was nice. But there's cigarette butts everywhere, which my kids are playing with. And there's the smell of drugs, and uh, the person, he, uh, the person he's like playing chess with is like jittering or like whatever. <laughs> and so I'm sure we picked up some some germs. So no wonder we got sick. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. And one thing that just really blessed me multiple times was there was a couple just really nice ladies, like Christian ladies. Um, one of them, Samuel and I went for a walk on um, the Sabbath when everything's closed, so you can just like walk on the city train tracks, and uh, and then we encountered this couple we had met at the Messianic congregation, and the wife just came up to Samuel, and she like held his hands, and she was like, looked in his eyes, and was like, I love you, and it was just, and then there was another lady too who just looked in Samuel's eyes one time and was like, I love you, and it was just like really ministered to me as a mom, so... That was really special for me. And also really funny was all the uh, security people, like because, you know, everybody there goes to the military, so a lot of the security people are also girls, like young girls and stuff. And so, you know, they're being kind of like serious and doing all their job. And then they see Zadok, and they're like, oh, you're so cute. <laughs> and it was just, like, fun, because usually when you're, like, talking to somebody in a uniform, they don't, like, start, like, talking about how cute your kids are. <laughs> But, yeah. Anyway. Thank you, Rachel. I don't know about you guys, but I felt like when they were talking about it, I just really could connect with what they were saying. Um, just like a good book, you know, where you feel like you're, you're there. Felt like I was uh, vicariously experiencing it through you guys. Um, I did have one question. You kind of alluded a little bit to this, but what was each of you, what was your favorite food or your favorite meal? What, what stood out as like, yeah, that, that, was, that was the best? <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Sounds good. I love hummus, even the normal American stuff, so... Well, um, when Trenton was speaking, um, I thought of a psalm, and I just want to read this, this verse. It's Psalm 85, verse 12. The Lord 
will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Yahweh will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. A few thoughts about that. Um, Many of us have been going through trying circumstances, whether that's relationally, financially, um, emotionally, maybe a combination of a number of things. And when we're going through that stuff, it's, it's a challenge to believe that we will receive the good um, that we desire from God. And Rachel testified specifically about that with the sorrow she's been carrying. And she's looking to God for good for her family, for her son. And we all have our own circumstances, but I want to just speak this scripture over us. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. So I want to answer that question in your hearts, that question in my heart, with the word of God. Yeah, Yahweh will indeed give what is good. Indeed, he will. He's going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask for or imagine. And I think that um, with Michael and Morgan's wedding, with Connor and Megan's wedding, with this idea of the happiness and joy of such occasions, the harvest is a time of celebration. You celebrate all the labor, um, the hours that have gone into making it to that point, and not just the work itself, but the time it's taken to wait for that harvest. And then you, you get what you've worked for. And I believe that we're about to get what Jesus has worked for. And I believe this is going to be a harvest, um, not firstly of what we've been laboring for, although that's not excluded because our labor with the Lord is precious in his eyes. But I believe we're about to reap a harvest from what Jesus Christ sowed. I believe we're about to reap a harvest from what Jesus and the angels, and honestly, people for hundreds and thousands of years have been doing, but mostly what Jesus has done. I I believe we're about to inherit the blessings that come simply from the blood of Jesus. You and I didn't bleed the blood of Jesus. He bled for us for the remission of our sins, for the 
pardoning of our iniquity, for the blotting out of our transgressions. And we've lived in a sin-soaked land. We've lived in a land of lies. We've lived under oppression, confusion, and all kinds of junk. But that's not the final word. Our, our sorrow, Rachel's sorrow, um, will not be the final word. That's right. Amen to that, man. He looks like you. I'm serious. Um, Rachel will be comforted. Rachel will live and not die. And you will too. We will. He's going to comfort his people. Comfort, comfort his people. He's going to come for his people. He's going to do that good thing. He indeed is going to do that good. That's right, man. Amen. Keep going. Amen. 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 <laughs> That's right, buddy. He indeed is going to do what is good. Indeed. Yes. He's all smiles. He's just like, amen. And I want to build your faith specifically for right here. I've said this a number of times throughout the years. Um, and I think it must be God that's sustaining this belief in me. Because if it was just something that uh, I was trying to um, hope for in my own strength, whoa. I think I probably would have given up by now because I've been believing it for so long and talking about it so much. Um, I believe that he is going to do something really mighty in the midst of us. And I was having this thought tonight that we, we can soak up this time right now where we've got, you know, just a handful of people here. There's something sweet that's happening right now, this dynamic where it's um, just a few of us where really I could just have a fireside chat with you, kind of like I'm doing right now. We got, what's his name again? Breck. We got Breck up here waving the banner for us. But I believe there's coming a time where God's going to have us doing gatherings that are 10 times as big. Um, I believe he'll have gatherings where we have multitudes of children. And early on, Uncle Tim remembers, early on I, um, I was telling him that I felt like the Lord was speaking, get ready for the 5,000. And that was years and years ago, going on 10 years ago. So just to be completely honest, I have, I have like an aversion to like being responsible for, or any part of responsibility for a crowd like that. Um, but 
if God wants to touch his people, if he wants to use us to be a place where the multitudes can get touched by him, then I'm like, yes, Lord. And I believe he'll give grace. <laughs> he'll give grace for us to play our part. But I, I really feel like as a, as a faithful steward, it's good for me to remind you that there are multitudes who are going to sit at the feet of Jesus and we're going to be used um, to touch a whole bunch of people. And, you know, you and your spouse might be, you know, before you know it, overlooking or overseeing uh, 50 people. It doesn't mean that 50 people meeting in your house, but you might have like a little group that meets with you and then God may raise you up to raise five different house churches and then you oversee those places. That's the kind of thing I believe he's preparing us for. Um, and at the prayer meeting before our meeting here, I, I, was, I felt moved to pray um, what, it's, I think it's Luke 10, verse 2. Lord of the harvest, um, or ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his field. And when I prayed it, the way I prayed it today was, um, Lord, uh, raise up and send out the laborers um, who will like go into labor and give birth to the harvest. And because I believe there's been laboring for a long time, but it's time now to give birth to the harvest. Um, but when the harvest comes forth, when that little baby called harvest is here, we're going to have to gather the harvest. We're going to have to care for the harvest. So um, get ready to care for what Jesus is about to harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. And I believe, it, you know, the, the Bible talks about he, he's not going to bring a person to deliverance uh, uh, and then not bring the child forth. Amen. We could say that scripture I just read, the Lord will indeed give what is good, Rachel. It's like, don't worry, that good baby is going to be born. The Lord is indeed going to give what is good. And I really, and I, I know that my time at uh, West Jessamine High School has been increasing this passion and this vision. But I really believe he's talking about this county. And he's like, the, the harvest of Jessamine County is right at the door. And when I prayed what I prayed about uh, the harvest tonight, Uncle Tim, uh, correct me if uh, um, you want to add anything, he said he saw people in orange jumpsuits like looking like prisoners. Anything else to that? So this harvest is going to produce liberty, freedom to the captives. And... Uh, You know, we, we've had too many casualties in this county. Um, you know, personal friends, dear uh, people that were uniquely special to my heart that have been taken out by the enemy. They've been casualties, I believe, of the curse over Jessamine County. 
But the curse is going to be broken, and the captives are going to be set free. And, and I believe we're going to be fully free to do what we're called to do. Praise God that we know Jesus Christ. Everybody in here is born again. I know that. But what would it be like for us to be living in the abundant flow of the blood of Jesus, living in the blessings and the power of his spirit? Not that I want to be ungrateful for what we have or ignore what we have right now, but for God to give us freedom, free indeed. You know, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And we have been freed in this room from the penalty of unforgiveness and the penalty of damnation. I believe that. But what about the freedom from self? The freedom from secret narcissism. The freedom from religion. What would it be like to live as a free person? And I want to cast that vision yet again we are going to be set free. We are going to be delivered from captivity. We are going to be delivered from our inner prison. We are going to be set free. And then we're going to go and set the captives free. But not in our own strength, in Christ. We'll be, because we'll be set free from our own strength. We'll be set free from our own wisdom, our own ambition. And we'll just be moving with Jesus. And Jesus only does what the Father's doing. So get ready for the captives of this county to be released. And get ready to be the hands and feet. And I was, when I just felt like there was a parable in uh, your manicure and pedicure. Um, pedicure. Never had one of those either, but... Uh, I felt like God was getting our hands and feet ready. As, again, as Rachel, she's been going through sorrow, but God is giving us beauty preparations. He's preparing our feet to walk in the places ordained for us. There are specific people that you have been called to walk into their lives. There's like these spiritual stones that are leading specifically to them. And you by name have been ordained to go to them by name. And um, the joy of that will not just be, hey, somebody got helped. It will be like, no, Jonathan got helped. Gabriel got helped. Like real people, people who have faces, stories, and names, and you're going to love them. You're going to love them to life. You're going to see them set free. So um, may the Lord bless your hands. May he get your hands ready to gather the sheaves, to gather the grain. May he get your feet ready to walk and collect the harvest. May he get your feet ready to dance with joy. Your hands to raise up in celebration. Father, thank you for being a God of the harvest. 
Though we killed Eden, the garden of pleasures and all the good growth, though we killed ourselves with our rebellion, though we were murdered by the murderer, the liar, though we were led astray, though we ate the bad fruit, you are the redeemer, you reverse the curse, you bring what is dead to life, you give the good growth, and somehow it's better, it's better because you're the redeemer, it's better than if we didn't mess it up. You will indeed give what is good. You will give the harvest of Eden 2.0. The better than Eden. The redeemed garden of pleasures. Because pleasure after knowing the pain is even better. So Lord, thank you for your sovereignty, the depth and the wisdom of the riches of the knowledge of God. Thank you, God. Thank you that in your wisdom, you bound all humans over to disobedience that you may have mercy on all. Thank you, God. Thank you for your wisdom. And Lord, we declare what you declared through your servant 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago. You, Yahweh, will indeed give what is good. You will give the harvest. We will reap what you have sown. You were the seed that was sown by the Father. You were the seed that crushed the head of the serpent. You are the Son of God. You are the seed that produces life. We're reaping the fruit of you, the good fruit, the true fruit. We will taste and see that you Yahweh, you, Yeshua, are good. And Lord, we walk and proclaim by faith tonight. Not by sight, by faith. And Father, I ask you to bless every person here. Show them new measures of grace, new measures of kindness. Bless all of our family, army of friends, those who aren't here whether they're traveling, whether they're attending different um, gatherings, obligations, bless them, Lord. And we call to those who you're going to call into our midst, and we say, come home. Come home to Jesus Christ and come home to your dwelling. This is your dwelling. We look forward to meeting you. Our spirits know you, and we look forward to meeting you in person. You're known by the Lord, and we love you. We love you by faith, not yet by sight. We love you, people of Jessamine County. We love you. And we look forward to meeting you in the flesh. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, y'all have a good evening and have a, yeah, yes.